This is Against All Enemies, a show about threats to American democracy. Political violence is on the rise. An alarming percentage of Americans believe they may have to take up arms against their neighbors. Some are already doing so. Every weekday, Against All Enemies highlights the activities of extremist organizations and their enablers. Our goal is to educate, not to alarm. The threats are real. But if we know what we're up against, together we can beat them. Governor Ron DeSantis represents a special kind of hatefulness because he knows better. He may be cynical and cruel, but he's not stupid. He's an Ivy League-educated lawyer and a Navy veteran. He knows full well what his hateful rhetoric and policies targeting minorities will lead to, and he doesn't care. I, too, am a Navy vet with an Ivy League law degree, and I cannot stand to watch Ron DeSantis in the wake of another mass shooting targeting minorities act as if he has no idea where the hate-fueled violence in his state is coming from. I talked about this with my good friend Mike Breen, the head of Human Rights First, and a combat vet with an Ivy League law degree, and he had this damning insight about Florida's governor. DeSantis pretends to be stupid whenever it suits his political ambitions, even when it gets people killed. Here's my conversation with Mike. You do not want to miss this one. Mike, it's great to have you back. Yet again, we have to talk about a a mass shooting. And Human Rights First, the organization you lead, put out a really thoughtful post. But before I ask you about that, I want to share with the audience this incredible interview with Florida Representative Angie Nixon. Roll the tape. My blood is literally boiling. Myself and other representatives, particularly Black representatives, throughout the past few legislative sessions, have we have com- repeatedly told him what his rhetoric was going to do. And that is exactly what transpired on yesterday. This is absurd. It's ridiculous. He is one of the causes to this. This is an agenda that he has been pushing since he has gotten into the I am more than angry. And now there are three families that no longer have their family members to come home to. This here in Florida. Governor DeSantis and the Republican Party of Florida are doing nothing but hurting, hurting us. And I am angry and I will not continue to sit idly by. All of the elected leaders need to come together and push out this hateful rhetoric, which has just been exacerbated uh, since around 2015, 2016. I feel that our community members needs to, we need to hold us elected officials accountable. We work for you. Right. We work for you and you need to hold us accountable, not just at the ballot box, but year round. You need to to you need to push the policies that you deserve. Right. And, and you know, at the end of the day, we need we need common sense gun reform. We do. But also as elected officials, we need to be accountable for the words that come out of our mouths time and time again, for the policies that we push for the communities and families that we are hurting. I have families calling me day in and day out saying they can no longer afford Florida. They do not feel safe. The NAACP issuing a travel advisory, that is real. That is what's happening in the state of Florida. And you have a governor who cares more about pandering to a base of voters, not even caring about what's happening here in our state of Florida and the 8,000 educator shortage that we have, right? 
the property insurance crisis that we're dealing with, the rising rent cost. No, he wants to be, be vindictive to black folks because it gives him points in poll numbers. That's that's what we're dealing with. America, you are in danger, girl. We must stop Ron DeSantis in his tracks. I am not an angry black woman. I am a woman who is speaking truth to power to let you all know this man means us no good. And it is evident by what transpired here yesterday in Jacksonville, Florida. All right, Mike, I think she captures just about everything that needs to be said, especially the the gut-wrenching uh, feelings we all have about this. Talk about your thoughts on the the governor's complicity. I don't want to I don't want to go too far, but when you spend when you have as one of the planks of your your political ambition continuing to target marginalized minority groups. I mean, at some point, you, you, you got to be called out for having blood on your hands. Where are you on this? Yeah, Ken, I mean, I, I hope uh, one of these weeks we can we can get together and have a conversation. And it's not in the wake of a tragedy or, you know, senseless killing. Um, I, you know, I, her, her video is incredible and, and I, everybody should watch it. Um, I, I can only imagine the psychological pressure uh, that and just the grief and the anger that that underlies it, um, you know, living in a political environment like that, representing a community the way that she does. Um, and you're right. I don't I don't want to overstate things, but, you know, I, I also don't want to be it, forgive me for saying so sort of willfully ignorant or obtuse about things either. Law enforcement's put out a, a statement that I think is very important to put out, um, and it's true as far as it goes. That, you know, this individual acted alone was not part of an organized group, so far as they can tell. And I think that's an important thing to say for the sake of of, of everybody feeling secure. But of course, in a larger sense, it's not true at all. Um, these insulin these incidents are not isolated. Uh, these things don't happen on their own, and. You know, Governor DeSantis is, you know, particularly terrible and current example of a long line of politicians, mostly in the American South, who've trafficked in hate and, you know, as, as a way to try to make a name for themselves. And, uh, you know, he, he knows damn well what he's doing. And I think we all uh, we all do a tremendous disservice to ourselves when, when we try to imagine in the wake of an event like this that it's a surprise that you can build a political career on a, on a you know, his, his words, a war on woke, uh, that you can try to champion yourself as, as, as the champion of, of one ethnic or racial identity against others that you can try to, you know, really offensively whitewash the history of, of slavery and civil rights abuse in this country, um, in a way that's really demeaning to black Americans and, and, and frankly demeaning to all of us. Uh, and then be surprised when, when, when people act violently. Uh, and there's a larger historical context, and, and, and I think we should talk about that too. But this is not a, this is not a surprise, nor is it new. Um, when, when you bring these extremist theories and ideologies mainstream, when you, when you traffic in things like the Great Replacement Theory and you, you try to convince people that shadowy elites um, – 
you know, saying the quiet part out loud sometimes, meaning meaning Jewish Americans or Jewish people and and a quote unquote one percent are using black and brown Americans to take away the political power of white Americans. And then when people act violently in response to what you've told them over and over and over again, uh, is a, is a conspiracy that existentially threatens them and their families. And then you pretend to be surprised and you pretend to stand in solidarity with the victims of this violence. You know, I don't think any of us should take that seriously. Well, the community is certainly holding him accountable. His attempt to, to offer his condolences, I think was was met with the appropriate amount of skepticism. If we can find that clip, we'll run it as well. But the thing about DeSantis in particular is that we know that he knows better. And I think you and I should should spend some of our, our social capital here as, as veterans, as lawyers, calling out uh, a veteran like DeSantis. Um, Harvard law grad. We were we were Yale, but you know we know the type. He is smart enough to know exactly what he's doing. And unlike someone like Tuberville, who you know who may or may not realize just how inciting his rhetoric can be, DeSantis knows full well what his provocations might lead to, and he offers them anyway. That's absolutely right. I mean, he, he pretends to be an idiot when it suits him. Um, and that, that that's that's of, of a piece with a, with a lot of, of other politicians. You, you think of Josh Hawley, you know, law school, we could go on and on. Um, but it's true. He knows absolutely what he's doing. I think more importantly, you know, he is a veteran. And leadership, even at a basic level in the military, means a level of responsibility for what you are responsible for everything that your unit does or fails to do. That was my, my job description as a platoon leader. I was 23, right? The platoon leader is responsible for everything that his unit does or fails to do. Um, Ron DeSantis is the governor of a state. He has that leadership training, went to one of the best law schools in the world. He's a highly educated person. He understands history. I, I dealt with him frequently when he, was, when he was in Congress, testified before his committee that he was chairing. Uh, he's very intelligent. Uh, he knows exactly what he's doing, and he is not acting with a level of responsibility one would expect uh, from a leader 20 or 30 years his junior in the military. Um, you know, we used to talk about command climate in units and, and that as a leader, you're responsible for setting a moral tone in the unit that you lead and how, how that directly drives outcomes in combat. And he fully understands that, and he's chosen... Uh, to try to gain power by by creating a toxic environment, by turning the people he is, some of the people he, he professes to lead in his state against others, by being divisive on purpose and by, by mainstreaming extremist ideology. He cannot then go on and be surprised when terrible things happen. Thanks for listening, everyone. I've got a quick break here, but I need a favor first. Shows like this, depend on your support. Please, if you can spare five seconds, click the link to the podcast version of the show below and leave us a five-star review. It really does help. Thanks. We're supposed to be reassured by the fact that the shooter uh, likely acted alone. And I'm not reassured. Uh, when I When I think about the... <laughs> The whole lone wolf modality, and when it reaches scale, 
it is, if anything, more terrifying than an organization that you're able to go after. And it it brings to, to mind the idea of stochastic terrorism. This was nothing less. It was a terror campaign motivated by political rhetoric. Am I wrong? No, I, I don't think you're wrong at all. Um, you know, at a basic level, we know uh, that mass shooters encourage each other online. They read one another's manifestos. They study one another's attacks. Um, this sick individual clearly intended that, and painted a swastika on his AR-15, sent his father, uh, you know, a, a racist, toxic manifesto. I mean, he, he could not have been more clear about what was motivating him here. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, I think it's very likely that this attack and those manifestos will be, be studied by the next person. So in a, in a very broad sense, this, there's nothing that, that's lone about this, nothing solo about the attack. But it also happens as, you know, in, inside a much larger historical context that I think we're all responsible for understanding. I mean, this occurred, literally occurred as thousands of Americans gathered to honor the 60th anniversary of the March in Washington, which was calling for the end of gun violence and racial justice. You know, a close friend and colleague of mine was marching and, and at, described the experience of everybody's phones going off with the news of this attack and, and the wave of pain and anger that moves through the crowd. And then, you know, a sense of, of collective love and healing that no group of folks in America should ever be asked to bear. And that black Americans have been asked to bear at a level that I, you know, I, I, I spiritually struggle to understand how they find the strength to do this again and again and again. Jacksonville itself has a long history of hate, right? The attack took place the day before Sunday's vigils fell on the 63rd anniversary of Axe Handle Saturday, which is a lesser known event, but this is uh, in 1960, about 200 white men attacked black people who were engaged in a peaceful sit-in led by the NAACP Youth Council that was opposing racial segregation. It's, it's called Axe Handle Sunday because they, they beat peaceful protesters with axe handles. Um, and over the last year, we've seen Jacksonville, you know, it's just seen a series of hateful statements in public spaces, including a wave of anti-Semitic propaganda. Again, the great replacement conspiracy theory really links anti-Semitism with anti-black and anti-brown racist hate. But anti-Semitic propaganda was projected onto the city's football stadium, onto buildings, onto overpasses. There were banners supporting the Confederacy flown over the city's downtown. Uh, earlier this year, the CEO of the Jacksonville Jewish Federation told told the local newspaper that she feels people are emboldened to move to Florida, to, to move to the state to showcase racist and anti-Semitic beliefs because of the political climate being cultivated there by the governor and others. Uh, so, you know, there's a, there's a deep history and, and a very dangerous current environment um, that is around this attack and that continues and that, you know, continues to be propagated by the state's political leadership. We know that anti-Semitism and virulent racism exists elsewhere. It often bubbles up to the surface, but Florida seems to be uh, a, a singular case where where these voices feel emboldened to to parade in front of Disney World, for example, or as as you pointed out, to project anti-Semitic symbols on on the Jaguar Stadium. Um, make the logical leap for us between the political climate in Florida 
fostered by the governor there and this sense that I get as an outsider that there's a permission structure, the wrong kind of permission structure for people to express the most hateful beliefs. Yeah, I don't think it's much of a logical leap, unfortunately, Ken. I mean, it's it's um, it's pretty clear. I mean, you, you've got the the governor of the state, the elected chief, you know, chief executive of a political community who has decided to base his national political aspirations and his political career on declaring himself and his state the the champions of a movement against um, pluralism essentially, right? Against um, what he calls wokeism. But, you know, he's he's in a legal battle against Disney about this. And he's fighting Mickey Mouse about diversity issues. Uh, he is introducing, you know, bills that are designed to, to change and censor school curriculum um, and, and directly attack the ability of public schools to, to teach about the history, you know, the actual history of, of race and violence in America. Uh, he's propagating conspiracy theories in the open, like Great Replacement, which are anti-Semitic, anti-Black, and anti-Brown. Um, he's encouraging this environment. Uh, in fact, he's made it his entire political brand. And so I think you know he's gone way out of his way to create you know a permission structure um, that he also views as a political base of support. You know, so w- when I hear about uh, you know, again, the concern of, of, of local Jewish leaders that, that there's a climate in Florida that's encouraging people to move there in order to be openly anti-Semitic and openly racist. Um, you know, I don't think it's an overstatement to say that that's the, the other way to say that is that there's a political climate that's been created that's designed to attract DeSantis supporters to Florida. I mean, he's built a political movement around this. Um, and he can use all the coded language he wants, uh, but but it's not even that coded. It's it's pretty in the open. And again, highly educated man, military veteran, Harvard law graduate. He knows exactly what he's doing. That is such an important insight. In a way, this actually serves him. It strengthens his appeal to his base. And there, there's just something so sick about that. Mike, thank you, as always, for joining us. We've reached out to Representative Nixon. We're going to try to get her on, but but thank you for providing uh, your perspective. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Ken. Appreciate it. We are not going to allow these institutions to be targeted by people. We.